Now, if you will remember with me as we began the study of the book of Revelation, we encountered John having a vision of Jesus Christ. He heard this incredible voice. When he looked to see where the voice was coming from, he saw Jesus, and he saw Jesus clothed. He had this golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were white like snow. From his eyes were flames of fire. From his mouth was a sword. His feet were like burning hot bronze. He saw Jesus and he was terrified. And John fell to the ground, scared to death. And Jesus came up to him and touched him and said, you don't have to be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I was dead, but now I am alive. And I have the keys to death and hell. He said to John, I want you to get up and I want you to take a look and see what you are able to see and write down things for the churches. And I want you to deliver this message. And John gets up and he looks and he sees and he hears what Jesus is doing. And he writes down these messages to the churches and he delivers those messages to those seven churches, and we have record of what Jesus wanted those churches to see about Him, and then how He wanted them to align their lives with Him. And then Jesus cried out to John, I want you to come up here, and John looks and he sees a door open in the heavens. And so John is walking through an open door in the heavens, on the basis of a voice he's already heard, the voice of Jesus. I'm sure he has expectations to see Jesus. He walks through that door and he doesn't see the Jesus that he saw in Revelation 1 that he told us about. He instead sees one seated on the throne in a glorious display of majestic colors, the God of glory, right there surrounded by four living creatures and 24 elders, all saying to the Lord God Almighty, Holy, Holy, Holy. And then John notices something else. And that takes us to chapter 5. We're going to work through Revelation chapter 5 on the basis of four introductory phrases. There are four times in Revelation 5 where we will read the words, I saw. It's just a signal that we're seeing a new scene in this description of this vision. So we're going to watch, walk through each one of those scenes. There's four of them. And so we'll start with Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And John says, And I saw in the right hand of the one who is seated upon the throne a scroll, having been written on both inside and out, so front and back, writing all over, having been sealed with seven seals. There's scene 1. John comes into the glorious throne room of God, four living creatures, 24 elders, and the first thing he notices after taking all of that in is in the right hand of the one who's seated on the throne is a scroll. And there's writings all over, front and back, but the scroll is sealed. Now Jesus invited John through the door to see what things are to come. 
to see the unfolding of the end of history and the beginning of eternity. He walks into that door and he sees the glory of God on display and he notices a scroll in the right hand of God and that scroll is sealed up. So John's expectations of coming through that door and seeing what's going to unfold are all bound up in the contents of this scroll and the scroll is sealed. You feel the expectation, the anticipation of knowing and yet seeing that the scroll that contains what he is supposed to know is sealed. Then we come to scene two, verse two. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming in a great voice, who is worthy to open the scroll? and to release its seals. And no one was able in heaven, on the earth, under the earth, to open the scroll and look into it. And I wept greatly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll and look into it. One of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to be able to open the scroll and its seven seals. John is aware that the scroll is sealed and then there's this question, who is able to open it? John comes to the realization that no one in all of creation is able to open the scroll. And John's reaction to that is an emotional breakdown. He just starts weeping. He came through that door with anticipation. He's already seen a vision of Jesus. He's already seen things that have blown his mind. He has seen Ezekiel chapter 1 unfold right before him. He is anticipating seeing exactly what's going to happen in the days to come that bring the end of time and the beginning of the new age of eternity. And he recognizes in this moment that the very seal that holds the message that he's longing to hear, that he expected to understand, is sealed up and no one can open it. It just crushes him. He starts weeping. I'm certain that the more time seemed to go on in that moment, the more it stretched on, the more hopeless it appeared because no one in all the earth, above the earth, in the heavens, under the earth, no one anywhere was found worthy to open the scroll. I would have liked to have been there in the moment when the elder walked up to John and said, stop your crying, boy. You're not seeing everything yet. This is not conclusive. The fact that the scroll is sealed is not the whole story. Stop crying. The lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome he is able to open the scroll. 
Don't you know in that moment that John stopped crying and was filled with hope and joy because he knew something in that moment. He knew exactly what the elder was talking about. He knew exactly who this is. He knew the Lion of Judah. He'd read about the prophecies. He'd read about the titles and the labels given to one who would come from the tribe of Judah, who would be a lion, who would rule with a royal scepter, who would be king of kings forever and ever reigning over the people of God, establishing his purposes on the earth. He knew the lion of Judah. But here's the unique thing. The descendant of Judah was also the root of David. So the descendant of David, who would be the king of all kings, was also the source of David. John knew exactly who this is. This is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who's overcome every obstacle, who's overcome sin and death, and He is worthy to open the scroll. Now don't you know that right then in that moment, John is in the throne room of God, the glorious colors of the majesty of God on display, the four living creatures crying out to God, holy, 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 the 24 elders on 24 thrones standing around, throwing the crowns before God for all His glory. And John hears the line of Judah, the root of David, he can open the scroll. Don't you know that in that moment, John starts looking around? Where is he? Where is he? So John has got this height of anticipation, looking for the Lion of Judah, the Root of David. Verse 6. And I saw in the midst of the throne the four living creatures in the midst of the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent into all the earth. And he came, and he took the scroll from the right hand of him who sits upon the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and purchased for God in your blood those from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. And you made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they will reign upon the earth. Is that not incredible? 
John looks around for the Lion of Judah. Where is this great Lion of Judah? And what does he see approaching the throne of God? A lamb. Standing as if having been slain. No longer slain. Alive. But with the clear indication of having been slain. The Lamb of God. John is looking for a lion and he sees a lamb who was slain but now alive forevermore. And he comes over and he takes that scroll from the hand of God the Father because he is worthy. And the moment the lamb who was slain, who is the Lion of Judah, takes that scroll which unfolds all of history into the age of eternity. The moment his hand touches that scroll, the living creatures and the elders fall down before the lamb. Because Jesus Christ is worthy and he alone is worthy to unfold everything in history to its appropriate end to the glory of God. And the moment he takes that scroll, his worth is on display and everyone around the throne of God falls down before the lamb and appropriately worships the lamb of God. Jesus Christ, the lion of Judah, the slain lamb is worthy to unfold all of history into the age of eternity for the glory of God. They fall down and these living creatures and elders are worshiping the Lamb and the elders have in their hands harps and golden bowls full of incense. The incense the prayers of the saints. You just imagine this scene where Jesus appears not as a lamb, but not as a lion, but as a lamb once slain with seven horns and seven eyes. John is trying to describe what he sees, and what he sees about Jesus is that Jesus is a lion. Of Judah, but is the one who is born in his body, the death for all sin. And that he has these seven horns. Throughout Revelation, horns are indications of power. When Jesus appears here as the lamb who was slain, who was the lion of Judah with seven horns. Seven, number seven, the number of perfection, he is on display as perfect in strength and power. You know how Jesus displayed his perfect strength and power so as to be worthy to open the seal and unfold the age of eternity? Because Jesus Christ chose to display his power by laying his life down and dying on the cross for you and for me. He is perfect in strength and he laid down his life so that he might rescue those who had placed their faith in him so that he might purchase a people for God's own possession that he might make them a kingdom and priest to serve the Lord forever and ever. People from every tribe, tongue, nation. He displayed his strength by laying his life down for you and for me. The seven eyes, 
which are the seven spirits of God. This is the Holy Spirit that has been sent out by Jesus into all the earth so that Jesus sees all that's happening and properly governs all things. Jesus is the one who has created all things but holds all things together and sustains every aspect of creation. Everything is unfolding because of His sovereign power and control exhibited as the one who made it all. Jesus Christ is appearing as one who has exhibited His power by giving His life and who holds everything together, sustains everything, moving it towards its appropriate end. So only He is able to take the scroll, open its seals, and unfold all things into eternity. I think it's absolutely remarkable that in that moment, the 24 elders have bowls of incense before Jesus Christ as they bow down before Him to worship. And those bowls of incense are the prayers of the saints. Do you know what that means? In those bowls are Moses' prayers. Moses said to God, I want to see you deliver the people. When Moses cried out, would you spare the people? from their rebellion. Those prayers are in those bowls. The prayers of Abraham. When Abraham was taking his son Isaac up onto that hill to sacrifice him, don't you know he's praying? Lord, if there's any other way, Lord, would you spare my son? Lord, would you bring him back if I slay him? Lord, I'm trusting you. All of Abraham's prayers right there in those bowls. All the prayers of the saints Matthew and John and Peter and Paul, all their prayers right there in those bowls. In those bowls are my prayers. Every prayer that I've uttered when I cried out to the Lord, what's happening in my family? Why are things falling apart? Why is it that this has happened to me? When I cried out to the Lord, will you forgive me of my sins? When I cried out to the Lord, will you deliver me from this brokenness? When I cried out to the Lord, will you supply my needs? When I cried out to the Lord, every prayer I've prayed, prayers of confession, prayers of victory, prayers of joy, prayers of sorrow, every prayer I've prayed are in those bowls. The prayers that Lynn and I prayed when we lost a child, they're in those bowls. All our prayers are in those bowls. All your prayers are in those bowls. Every prayer that's come out of your mouth, been on your mind, been on the edge of your lips, every prayer you've conceived are right there in those bowls. Do you know why the 24 elders fall down before Jesus as Jesus takes that scroll to unfold the age of eternity and have bowls of incense which are your prayers? Do you know why that is? Because every prayer you've prayed, everything you've asked from the Lord, everything you've called out for Him for, every single cry of your life will be answered in the person of Jesus Christ. He is the answer. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows every hurt. He knows every sorrow. He knows every brokenness. And He is your answer. And someday all our prayers will be laid before Him and we will find the answer to every cry in the person of Jesus Christ. Every cry. He is so worthy 
of our worship. And he longs for us to rightly see him. It's not all that happens here. Verse 10, 24 elders, they fell down before the one who's seated on the throne. And they worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. I'm in chapter 4. It would be better if I was in chapter 5. Here we go. Verse 11, here we go. And I saw. And I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders. Their number were myriads upon myriads and thousands upon thousands, saying in a great voice, Worthy is Lamb who was slain, who received power and riches and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And every created thing, which is in the heavens, upon the earth, under the earth, which is in the sea, and all the things in them, I heard saying to the one who's seated upon the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept on saying, Amen. The elders fell down and they worshipped. As if things could become even more amazing. To this great experience, John is in the middle of is added thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels. Can you imagine this scenario? Where he sees thousands upon thousands upon thousands of angels and in a single voice so loud it's deafening he hears worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing reverberating in the throne room of God. And to the thousands upon thousands of angels surrounding the 24 elders, surrounding the four living creatures, surrounding the glory of God, the one seated on the throne, surrounding the Lamb who appeared as once slain, surrounding all of that, all of a sudden appears every created thing. I mean, this blows our imagination, right? Every created thing in the heavens on the earth, under the earth, in the sea, every created thing appears around the outside of this group. 
And now every created thing is saying to the one who sits on the throne and to the Lamb, be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. Everything in creation is now using its voice to give appropriate glory to God the Father, God the Son, by way of the permeation of the Spirit of God writing all things as they should be. And the four living creatures just keep on saying, Amen. 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 I love that. The four living creatures were created to glorify God. That's all they've ever known. Think how unreasonable and irrational it appears to the four living creatures throughout our time in humanity to see us, the creation of God, rebel against our Creator. Think of how just ludicrous that appears to the four living creatures. How absolutely overwhelming it is in breaking them in thinking about how could a created thing created by God of all goodness turn away from the God of all goodness and love and rebel towards Him. How could this be? And now when the end of all things has come and the beginning of eternity is unfolding and everything in creation is ascribing glory to God due His name, all the four living creatures do is say that's right that's the way it should be this is how it's supposed to be God is supposed to be glorified in all things amen 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 can you just hear it reverberating in heaven over and over again from the four living creatures amen 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 and then the final scene of this vision is absolutely astounding the 24 elders they fall down and they worship. Do, do you remember who the 24 elders are? Do you remember who they are? The 24 elders around the throne, they've received white garments, they've received crowns, and they've received a place on the throne. Do you remember who those promises were given to? in the letters to the churches. These were promises given to the church. And now before the throne of God and the Lamb are the 24 elders who received the promises given to the church. Matthew chapter 19 tells us that the apostles, the 12 apostles were told by Jesus, you'll be seated on, seated on 12 thrones around the throne of God. In the city of God, Revelation chapter 21, are four walls, and on those walls are three gates on each wall, and every one of those gates has a separate name, and those names are for the 12 tribes of Israel. And on each one of those walls is a foundation stone, and each one of those foundation stones has a name. There are 12 foundation stones around those four walls, and each of those stones has a name of one of the apostles. Inside the city of God, you know who dwells in the city of God, whose walls are named for the 12 tribes of Israel, whose foundation stones are named for the 12 apostles? Do you know who dwells inside the city of God? Those whose names are written in the book of life. Do you know who that is? That's the church. You know what this final scene says? That all is set right and God is receiving the glory that is due His name from all that He has created. The church will be ending in worship forever of the one true God, Jesus Christ, the slain Lamb who reigns forever and ever. Isn't that amazing? Now here's the wonderful thing about this vision. 
It has not yet happened. And that's good. Because that means that this vision that has not yet happened serves for us today as a promise and a warning. Here's the promise. Every vision that Jesus has given in regard to something in the future, at any point in the past, has either come to pass or will happen. Because everything that Jesus Christ promises will occur. Everything. Just like we've already seen so many things in Scripture that were promised to us by God have come to pass, so it is with this vision. This will happen. And for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ, who have been purchased by His blood to be a kingdom and priest, reigning and ruling with God on the new earth, this will be a reality. We will spend forever living our lives, reigning on the new earth, such that everything we think, everything we do, everything we say, everything we intend, everything we hope for, everything will be perfect worship completely satisfying being exactly who we created to be forever to the glory of God through the wonder of Jesus Christ. This is a promise. It is also a warning. In Philippians chapter 2, we read that Jesus Christ who laid down his life, obedient to the point of death, exerting his strength on our behalf, will one day experience such an exaltation that every single knee in heaven and on earth will bow to him. And all things will be in subjection to him, and he will be in subjection to the Father, so that God is all in all. That's what the scripture says is coming. Do you know what we have here in Revelation 5? We have the vision of what that will be. Everything in creation, demons, everything is going to bow knee to Jesus Christ because someday there will be no choice. God will get his glory. This is a warning. It's a warning. If you do not make the choice to bow before Christ and trust Him as Lord and Savior and receive the invitation for the forgiveness of your sins by way of His death for you, if you don't make the choice while the choice exists, there will come a day where there will be no more choices. And you will you will give glory to God. It just won't be through worship. It'll be through judgment. And what that means is that we have choices today. If you're in this room and you're hearing this passage read, you have a choice. You can choose to trust Christ. You can choose to follow Him. 
can choose to yield your life to Him. And by way of that choice, you have then chosen how you want to experience the unfolding of the end of time and the beginning of the age of eternity. You have chosen to, to experience the beginning of eternity with worship. Worship of God. Worship of the slain Lamb. That is far better than bending your knee because you had no choice. This is a moment of decision. Will you follow Christ? Because what He says will happen. You will bring Him glory. But by way of this vision in this moment, His hope for you is that you bring Him glory by trusting His Son, letting Him buy your life so that you might spend eternity in all you do, all you say, perfectly worshiping God, just like you were made to worship Him. For those of us in this room that make that choice, we get to start early, right? We know where we're headed. And we get to get started right now. That's why we scream at baptism. That's why we get excited when we hear somebody who's trusting in Christ. That's why we decide, hey, I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to live more like Christ every day the rest of my life and not less like Christ. We want to live lives of worship. Let me tell you, the greatest way that we can leave this place today willing to live a life of worship, here's the greatest way. Take the promise and the warning with you and invite people to see the Lion of Judah who appears as the slain lamb who gave his life for the people you're around every single day. Please, live a life of worship until the day Jesus breaks the seals of that scroll in such a way that those around whom God has placed us might see the vision of Jesus and trust him for salvation.